So we have just begun today, starting today, a five-week series that was based off of the questions of our congregation. We gave roughly two months for people to send in questions, and we said that for five weeks we will talk about the, the topics and the questions that you have. You'll inform what we're going to uh, preach about on a Sunday morning. And so today is called The Bible, Harry Potter, and Rotary Phones. Uh, many of you uh, had questions about how do we know that, that the scriptures are real? How can we trust in what God's word is saying? If it is uh, as in, insignificant as a rotary phone, like who has those anymore except Rick Fritz, who took a picture of one and sent it to me. Uh, even if you had a rotary landline, no one picks up anymore. So some people look at the scriptures that way, like it's just some old dusty book, uh, you know, it's on my coffee table, I think, right? And other people see scripture as just like Harry Potter. It's just a made up kind of fictitious thing with dragons and other crazy stuff. And so either way, it gets put on one of those two uh, extremes. Now, here's what's coming next week and the next following weeks. No hot button issues whatsoever, okay? Uh, next week is the good, the bad, and the free will. Sounded better than Clint Eastwood's The Ugly. So we went with the good, the bad, and the free will. Uh, what is free will in the midst of what's happening in our world? Good stuff, bad stuff. Uh, week three is immigration, refugees, and the Christian crisis. So how do we understand that? Uh, that's not a hot button issue at all. Uh, gay marriage, straight divorce, and the bridegroom. That's week four. And then, of course, week five, she blinded me with science. That sounded a lot better than just science in the Bible, so we went after the 80s song and threw that in there. So uh, the next several weeks, these are the things that the average person's thinking about, trying to deal with, trying to understand, uh, and I'd invite you into that mess with us, that beautiful mess that is our lives and following Jesus in the middle of that. I want to be clear that the goal in anything that happens the next five weeks is not to help you win. So it's not to give you like, like some stuff to wear biblically or some kind of an argument that the next Thanksgiving you're loaded up, you're ready to go, and you just checkmate that family member that's sitting across from you. Um, the idea is to give you uh, maybe some encouragement uh, to let you know that you can be intellectual, um, you can be thoughtful in your approach, and you're, you're, you're not just crazy, okay, that... that that faith is a real thing. Of course, if you believe that Jesus came from a virgin, that's out there. We can all agree on that, okay? But, that there's, but there is actual thought here that went into this. There's intellect that went into this. You can have an intellectual conversation about God's word. And so it's to help and equip you walk in 2017, okay? That's the goal. And to walk in 2017 in a manner and in a way that the disciples did, and in a manner and in a way that Jesus did. That's the goal, okay? So we're going to look at some stuff here uh, it, just to understand. Now, big picture. Here's many of the things that people say about God's Word. They go, well, the Bible is just another holy book. What's the difference? They're all good books. They're all ancient books. They're all, they all want you to be a good person. Uh, and in fact, there's, there's one 30,000-foot thing you have to understand. Every other religion, every other holy book, actually, that, that's, that's in existence with the exception of God's word, um, actually kind of speaks to you and pours into you on how to achieve righteousness, how to be a better person, how to achieve some form. If it's not heaven, it's kind of the next level, okay? Um, the Bible is very, very different in that camp because it actually is telling you how you receive righteousness, so one is how you achieve, 
The Bible is how you receive righteousness. Actually, the whole script is flipped. The, the Bible is completely incompatible with those kind of worldviews and those thinkings. Next, um, like Joseph Smith, okay? He received the, the Book of Mormon from the angel uh, Moroni, okay? And the angel Moroni said, hey, you got to go to New York, but give it four years. You're going to find some gold tablets buried in New York. You're going to need some special magical sunglasses. No, I'm not making that up. That's real. Here you go. You're going to need these glasses, a magical top hat, and uh, some soothsayer kind of rocks, okay? And so uh, Joseph Smith received the Book of Mormon uh, in the 19th century, went up, and what he did is he took these tablets, allegedly, that 11 other people said they saw. Then he had a big curtain, and on the other side of the curtain was the secretary, so he'd say, okay, this is what, and he put on his hat, put on the glasses, move the rocks around. This is what it's saying. But the other guy on the other side of the curtain couldn't see. And he would read to him over the curtain, and he'd write it down. And he said, this is what God told me. Now, what's interesting about the Book of Mormon, there's a book called Nephi. Now, the Book of Mormon is believed to have been heavily influenced by the King James Version of the Bible. In fact, there's 18 chapters of Isaiah just copied verbatim. Okay, And there's a few other works that were culturally relevant at that time that found their way into the Book of Mormon as well. Conversely, um, the, the Quran, you have the angel Gabriel that talked to Muhammad in the 7th century. He receives this text directly and writes it out as to what you know about the Quran today. Okay, Now, here's the difference. What happened with them is right here, over to the book, there you go. That isn't at all what happened with the Bible. In fact, the Bible, the authors, some of which were in slavery, some of which were incredibly poor, some of which were the wealthiest people to ever walk on the face of the earth, some of which were in great positions of power. They were from different eras, different regions, different backgrounds, different even ethnicities. So it's many, 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 many different people. And all of them, throughout what happened in their culture, all point to one person, Jesus. When you take Jesus out of Scripture, if you start thinking that the point isn't Jesus and it's something else, then you get way off track. You have crazy stuff that starts happening in your culture in the name of Christianity. That's what happens when you take Jesus out. So just so you know, on a 30,000-foot level, it's the, apples and oranges, not even the same, okay? Here's one of the arguments that comes up. The Bible has so many textual errors that it simply cannot be trusted, um, so uh, there are some areas, and I won't dive into it because I'm afraid I'll put you to sleep. Um, in Mark uh, chapter 16, verse 8, they found that there's manuscripts that have additional verses all the way to verse 20, okay? Uh, John, you maybe remember the story of the woman caught in adultery and Jesus starts writing in the sand or in the dirt about her. Well, there's actually, that's the minority of the manuscripts with that. Many of your Bibles will say that's... Uh, you know, we just want you to know that not all the manuscripts have that, okay? Uh, then in 1 John, there's, there's a statement in there that doesn't appear any other time until the 14th century. So there's some things that, that people that want to be critical of Scripture can take shots at. But here's what you need to know, okay? The original work that was written, okay? None of those, from antiquity to uh, Shakespeare to anything that you know of as ancient works that you even read in school, none of the originals exist. None of them. All that exists today are copies of the original. Okay, And in Scripture, scripturally speaking, this is what sets Scripture apart, there are 25 
5,000 copies in existence of the original. Matter of fact, in the book of John, the oldest copy is only 125 years after John. Um, Compare that to, uh, let's say, like Julius Caesar's Gaelic Wars. We consider this military history. We would read these accounts from Julius Caesar and we'd say this is what happened, right? Well, Julius Caesar's battles were in 50 to 58 AD. The nearest copy to that, okay, we're just going to keep walking this imaginary timeline, is 900 AD. We have nothing between 900 AD and when everything actually happened, but you and I, we read it and we accept it as fact. Uh, Matter of fact, uh, Shakespeare, maybe you remember this, you probably loved Shakespeare, maybe you got into that at some point. Um, Here's kind of a a, a famous line, and you can finish it. To be or? So good, right? Well, here's the thing about Shakespeare. Written 500 years ago, none of the originals exist anymore, and they had this thing where the first copies were folded twice in his plays and stuff that worked. Then later they folded them in half. And the problem is, is the originals don't exist, They have all of these extras, but there is so much between the two that have been omitted, that have been added, that have been changed, that the truth is no one's really clear what he said and what he didn't say. In other words, I said to be, and you said or not to be, very good, but you actually couldn't make a strong case to me if I said, no, 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 actually it's this, Toby or not Toby. He hated his own name. I mean, Hamlet, can you blame him? No, no, it's actually the very first episode of The Office. That's what he's trying to figure out. Do I even like Toby? Okay, so the whole point is we accept Shakespeare for Shakespeare. You don't second guess it. There's five versions of Abraham Lincoln's address, the Gettysburg Address. The one that went in the newspaper is different than the one that he gave is different than the one that's in the Lincoln Memorial and there's two others beside that. We don't ever think twice about it. So this is the totality of the evidence. Now other things that people tend to shoot holes in is they just don't understand what was the point, what were they trying to do. You may have read, tried to read Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and you may have gone, well why isn't that in there? Why is this in there and that's not in there? Why is this different from this? Well let me explain. We all watch the Super Bowl, hopefully it's kind of a cultural thing. Those of you that hate sports, there's only sports reference today I promise. Um, In the Super Bowl, check this out, think of it this way, okay? Here's Matthew, we'll look at this one first. Matthew is like the football player reporter who's on the sideline, his career ended. You know, they do that all the time. They give the guy a microphone, and suddenly he's the expert because he played. And he's really just talking to football players. That's what he's doing. Well, that's Matthew. He was Jewish. And Matthew is written specifically to Jewish people. That's his goal. Now, Mark is completely different. Mark is the football Americano fan. In other words, he's like from Telemundo, okay? And he's trying to explain what the heck is Lady Gaga even doing at halftime. Now, that is a sport. Like, what's going on right now, right? Uh, And that's what's happening. He's explaining to the Greeks a completely different culture. What is this thing that's going on in the ministry of Jesus? And his goal is that you can sit down and in one sitting hear the whole thing. That's his aim. Now, Luke is a little bit different. Some of you type A folks can totally relate to this. He's the play-by-play football fan. In other words, he is not even with the pictures. Some of you that follow NFL, like you just do the ticker tape that's like first and three, and it's just like written orderly every second you dig into that. Like Luke would be the guy that would do this. 
now we can start church. Like he's that really kind of, you know, orderly. That's Luke, okay? Now here's, here's John. Now John is completely different than everyone else. John is a human uh, interest piece of scripture. He doesn't care about the linear whatever. He's asking much, 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 much bigger overarching questions. Now here's another confusion that sometimes people don't realize uh, how the culture kind of turns the validity of scripture against uh, followers of Jesus. I have some incredible lyrics I want to read for you, and if you want to take it away and start singing, I will not judge you. Okay, here we go. Flintstones meet the Flintstones. They're the modern Stone Age family. Okay. From the town of Bedrock, they're a page right out of history. Let's ride with the family down the street through the courtesy of Fred's two feet. Now here it is. When you're with the Flintstones, have a yabba dabba do time, a dabba do time. A what? What is this show? What? Right? Now here's the thing. 60 years later, that has an entirely different meaning. Words change over time. If I told you today that my nose burned, like if your kids, okay, you got them back, and you took them home, you wanted to put them in bed to give a nap, and they wouldn't go down, you go, listen, my nose is burning right now. Right? Your first sub, you get some, get some medicine for that, maybe some ice, I mean, whatever, I don't know what your deal is, right? Well, here's the truth, is that scholars over time in Genesis, when God is angry, when God is furious, the phrase that people understood was his nose burned. Well, you can't write that in for generation after generation or we're all lost, right? So that's some of what happens. Now, here's, here's the next thing. The Bible cannot be inerrant because humans wrote it. And there's lots of confusion about what is inerrancy and inspiration, okay? Here's probably the greatest poet of the last hundred years. Well, I should say at least the most copied poet of the last hundred years. I'm sure those of you that are music nerds would argue with me, but you could make a case here. Here's the opening lines. There's a lady who's sure all that glitters is gold, and she's buying a stairway to heaven. Now, in uh, Guitar World 1998, this is the, the excerpt from the clip, Robert Plant recalled writing the lyrics in a flash of inspiration. Said Plant, I was holding a pencil and paper, and for some reason, I was in a very bad mood. Then all of a sudden, my hand was writing out the words. There's a lady who's sure that all the glitters is gold, and she's buying a stairway to heaven. I just sat there and looked at the words, and then I almost leapt out of my seat. Some of us think that, that inspiration is that, where like a person is just a robot. What, what Robert Plant said is, I'm just sitting there, I'm irritated, and all of a sudden, like, whoa, a hit song that is going to be played more than any other rock song ever. That's not necessarily what's happened. People didn't take a pen or sit down, and all of a sudden, there's the Bible. Conversely, what other people like to say is, well, no, the Holy Spirit had nothing to do with it. It's just human error. It's, uh, here's, a good, here's a good term you relate to. It's just fake news. It's just made up. So, in fact, though, the way that we would understand Scripture and the waking of Scripture and how it's inerrant and the way that it's made is very similar to how we understand Jesus. See, Jesus was not 50% man, and he was not 50% God. He was fully God, and he was fully man. So what we believe that happens here is you have these men that were used. As a matter of fact, uh, 
in first, in second Peter 1.21, this is what it says. For prophecy never had, in, had its origin in, in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In other words, they were fully man, absolutely fully man. Paul talks about, we don't even know what's wrong with Paul. There's something, an ailment, a struggle that he's having. We know that Peter sends like personal regards to his friend uh, in, in one, of, one of the books within Scripture. Like there's personal stuff that comes out. So we know it's fully man, but at the same time we know it's fully inspired. It's fully both. God guiding and working, working even through the process of how we pull in scriptures and how we don't. But, here's the thing. You don't live your life by the Gettysburg Address. Shakespeare doesn't guide a whole lot of your worldview. It doesn't. And scripture invades parts of our world and our hearts and our minds even creates hostility when it's wrongly understood. So here's what I, I want to share with you, number one. Um, everybody in this room, maybe you have friends, maybe this is you, everybody's religious. Maybe you've talked to someone, like, oh, I'm not that religious. Just listen. They're religious. We're religious beings. It's in every last one of us. If you talk to someone long enough, they put down their guard, they will describe a goal that they have for their life. It, it is a, a plateau, a moment in which they've arrived, a thing or a, a moment, a, a setting in their world that they envision they finally could be at peace. If I could just get here. Every one of us have this innate thing in us. Like if we just had this aspect of my life squared away or if I could just get this part of my life here or this part of my career, that is kind of the idea of heaven. They won't call it heaven, but it is the ideal of where you want to end up. And every last one of us has a whole bunch we want to avoid, which you can either call it hell or it is your version of hell. Now between hell and heaven, every last one of us wants to find a way and has a vehicle to achieve what we believe is our heaven. It's your job. It's your family. And what we end up doing is we then invest and put our hope in and our identity in the things that we believe will get us there. You know, it's, it's the reason why that friend of yours keeps going from relationship to relationship to relationship. It's not necessarily that they're crazy. Maybe they are, I don't know. But it may actually be, the problem is, They've picked a lousy God. They're constantly broken by the person that they choose to worship. It's the dad who loves his family, loves his wife, he's all in, right? He sits down at dinner and there's the phone, right? Why? That's my means. That little thing is my means to getting what I believe is what I ultimately want to achieve for peace and happiness and contentment. It's the people in this room that are fixated on Facebook and every other kind of whatever app that is just takes us away to another place. That's called worship. We didn't stop being religious in this country. We may not go to church. That's an entirely different issue than whether or not people are religious. And so some of you, that may be you today, okay? And that's okay. Can I just tell you, I love that you're here. If that's you, I love that the fact that we have skeptics, hopefully, in this room. People that think I am completely 
wasting your time. Even better, you're welcome, all right? Now, over here, okay, there are some of you that are recovering youth groupies. You did the youth group thing. I'm 35 years old, okay? And what they told us growing up was, here's your checklist of what it means to be a Christian. Don't watch rated R movies, don't cuss, don't drink, okay? There was a lot of pressure on that. Don't have sex before you're married, baby Jesus will cry. And not only that, you might get a disease and die. I remember finding that news. Are you telling me I'm going to die if I do this? This sounds terrible, right? And then what happened? We all went off to college, okay? I know some of you are trying not to smirk, but you know it's true. You went off to college, and what did you find out? Wow, that was a lot of fun. I want to do that again. Matter of fact, I might want to do that every weekend. Sounds outstanding, right? And some of you had to leave school because of that, right? So it became the new way of living, and you found out all of a sudden that everything that you were told, all of the checklists, actually there was something missing, So we created little moral beings in the presence of pastors and youth pastors and parents and within the church, and then they went off and realized that they actually met some of their best friends at some of the parties that they were ever at and had great experiences, at least so they thought, right? You take Jesus out of the Bible. You take Jesus out of the reason that Scripture exists. You just have rules and regulations, You take Jesus out of this church and you have a profound waste of time from 8 a.m. to noon every Sunday. At the end of the day, I can make cases, and that's really a lot of what we're going to do. I'm just going to help equip you and encourage you with the reality that, you know, there may be a person who comes at you with science, and you know what? You actually can prove that you're a thinker and follow Jesus. It's not, you're just crazy. But at the end of the day, Scripture is all about following this person that came to this earth to die for you. There is nothing you have done that is beyond the grace and the mercy of Jesus. Yes, even that, whatever that is, nothing. And what he's inviting each and every one of you into is a relationship with him. And all the Bible really is, is a way for the Holy Spirit to move and to work in your life on his desire to know you and to be known by you. There it is. There is the grace, the love, and the mercy of God revealed in his word.